Iran, our supposed ally, is so perilous, Petraeus is today announcing a new route through Uzbekistan. You've promised to talk with our enemies, but North Korea and Iran are hell-bent on getting nukes. North Korea already has enough material for six warheads. Our embassy in Havana has been closed since before you were born. Your last predecessor to visit Cuba was Coolidge. Overseas markets are down. 8.47 a.m. You step into the back of the new presidential limousine for a 90-second, two-block ride to St. John's Church, across from the White House, for the traditional pre-inaugural service. You slide into the front pew and hear the preacher say, God always sends the best men into the worst times. The problems are mighty and the solutions are not simple, but you are all fired up, sir, and you are ready to go, and this nation goes with you. But maybe not the market— the Standard & Poor's 500 stock index opens at 849.76, down 0.36 from Monday's close. Despite the crisis, most Americans are excited about the inauguration of the first African-American president and optimistic about a post-racial, post-partisan era in politics. By nearly 6 to 1, Americans surveyed today in a USA Today Gallup poll say they're more hopeful about the next four years. Maybe too hopeful. On the National Catholic Reporter website, the Jesuit Thomas Rees, a student of such things, worries that Americans expect a miracle and that hopes far exceed anything that is humanely possible to fulfill. The text of your speech says that we are in the midst of crisis is now well understood. In fact, most people don't understand how bad the crisis is or how bad it could get. Even you don't. You don't know that unemployment will rise to 10% or that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac may hold $2 trillion in substandard loans. 9.48 a.m. You leave church and get back in the limo, known as the Beast. It has 5-inch armor, tires that can roll when flat, and a sealable interior in case of chemical attack. Even the Beast is a reminder of the crisis. Its maker, General Motors, says that without an infusion of government cash, it will be broke in two months. The reorganization plan that's part of its application for a bailout is due in a month. The head of the auto workers' union calls the deadline unattainable. You ride across the street to the White House for coffee with the president, who greets you at the North Portico with a hearty, Sir. The S&P index is down at 832.57. 10.48 a.m. You and Bush get into the Beast and ride off down Pennsylvania Avenue. Through the bulletproof glass, you can see sharpshooters on the rooftops. You cannot see the P-3 Orion flying recon above the mall. In the time it takes to reach the Capitol, 16 Americans will lose their homes, 120 will be thrown out of work, and 32 have a car or truck repossessed. Regulators are sorting the wreckage of banks that failed last week in Berkeley, Illinois, and Vancouver, Washington, the first of 140 such institutions that will fail before the year is out. This is shaping up as the worst inauguration day ever for financial stocks. Bank of New York Mellon reports that its profit fell almost 95% in the last quarter. The State Street Corporation, one of the world's largest institutional money managers, announces a 71% drop, sending its share price down 59%. The S&P is down at 827.96. 11.01 a.m. The motorcade arrives at the Capitol. In a holding room, you rehearse the oath of office. You're handed a statement to read in case the Somalis' attack seems imminent and the crowd must be dispersed. You stick the paper in your pocket without looking at it. 
Overnight, Spanish police have arrested six men, several of them Pakistanis, for diverting funds from telecommunications businesses to terrorist groups. U.S. intelligence has just learned that bin Laden's son Saad, long detained in Iran, has fled to northwestern Pakistan, where an area the size of New Jersey is a haven for attacks across the border into Afghanistan. 11.42 a.m. You stand alone, head back, eyes closed, in the Capitol doorway, waiting to be announced. It's bright and cold, 28 degrees, wind chill 17, but the globe is warming, a government report released four days ago says summer ice cover in the Arctic shrank to a record low in 2007 and was almost as scant last summer. And last week, the EPA reported that sea levels on the mid-Atlantic coast are rising faster than the global average. 11.45 a.m. Pastor Rick Warren, in his blessing, says, We celebrate a hinge point in history. Aretha Franklin... In